Here's the biblical encouragement ahead of us today on Abounding Grace. By God's grace and power, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. It's not going to be because of your great spiritual activity and all the steps of obedience and things. No, you're going to make it by his power. You're going to make it. What God started in you, he is faithful to complete it. He will perfect that which concerns you, the Bible says. One day Jesus is going to present you to the Father. And as he presents me to the Father, forgiven, cleansed, kept, I'll tell you, it says it will be joy inexpressible and exceeding joy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Hey, welcome to a new week of in-depth Bible study and practical application on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be finishing up our study of Jude today. It's been a challenging letter to be sure, but it has a beautiful ending as you'll soon see. We're about to spotlight one of the most amazing doxologies in all of scripture. Let's get right to it. Now, another way if you take this and we just step back for a second, I like to use this passage and discipling and ministering to leaders in our church. Like this gives you a, if you want a visual on this, uh, I'll give you a visual because on, when you're ministering to some people, you're praying after a service, you're praying after, uh, you know, coming up to the altar, you're praying after a service. I, I, like to visual, I, I like to visualize it this way. Most of the time, you and I have the privilege of showing compassion to someone, most of the time. Most of the time we could come alongside, we're walking with them, and come alongside is the key. So compassion and alongside. And I picture myself just putting my arm around the person and taking a walk with them. Compassion, I'm with them. I'm walking with them, I'm listening to them, I'm alongside of them. And so the idea is, is, is we're talking, we're just together, we're sitting together, we're sitting across the table, we're just walking along and I'm listening, learning, waiting to how I'm going to be able to apply the Word of God. Maybe just to pray with them, encourage them. It could be like Job's friends. You know, the best thing they ever did for Job would just sit there quiet for seven days. Just be quiet. Just be there. Ministry of presence. When that's the distinction, walking alongside, number one. But number two, there are those with fear. You got to pull them out of the fire. Not even, not even taking the garment with them. That, to me, is more face-to-face. That's eye-to-eye. That's looking someone in the eye with sternness with confidence in the Lord and warning, rebuking, correcting, instructing. You just got to get it done in love. So you're still valuing the person created in the image of God. You're not demeaning them. You're not making fun of them. Uh, You're not belittling them. However, you are stern. And it all comes from keeping yourself in the love of God. You go, Ed, but how could I possibly do that? The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And there are times when you do, you look someone eye to eye, face to face. This is, I mean, I can remember on many occasions that, that God has used me in someone's life to give them a strong warning or a strong admonition. They listened to it and God immediately began to work in their lives. Immediately began to work on some of the things they were sharing with me, some of the difficulties. All they needed was someone to look them in the eye and go, this is the will of God. But most of the time we have the privilege of walking alongside 
just encouraging people, building them up. As we've been built up, then we can build others up. False teaching, false living creates all sorts of chaos in the church, apostates, backsliders, backbiters, liars, gossips, manipulators, all kinds of sinful behavior. They're not to be completely written off or dismissed. They're not to be coddled or allowed either. But rather, handling these difficulties requires us to be in the Spirit, remaining in the love of God. God God commands us to have compassion, empathy, wisdom, and a carefulness. But don't make, even if you're uncertain which way, just make a distinction. Pray for that distinction. Pray for that distinction. Notice now as he closes in verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. What a beautiful end to such a challenging letter. Jude didn't intend to write such a hard letter. He wanted to encourage the believers. But as he was in the Spirit, writing a letter to encourage, the Spirit led him to go in a whole different direction. And any of you that had, have had to correct, have had to rebuke, have had to instruct, it's not as easy as it sounds. And it's not fun. I mean, if you guys think correction, if anybody among me listening right now, so I love to correct, I love to rebuke, please let us pray for you. It's not an easy ministry. And it shouldn't be fun. It shouldn't be like some kind of joy where you're having to put it, you know, just get into like, like man, it's, it's hard. Because you know, even if you deal with the person, you've got a lot of hurting people that are right behind them. And you're ministering to them as well. And there, there is no like spiritual gift of rebuke. It's like, well, God just given me the beauty. No, he hasn't. You failed to obey the scripture of being, having a distinction, making a distinction. Not everybody needs to be rebuked and not everyone needs a strong word. He says at the end, hey, look, you got this going on. You have, he's got all this instruction, but then he ends with this doxology, this praise. Now to him. And look, notice all he says about him. Number one, he says, he's able to keep you from stumbling. I wonder how many are listening to me right now that are so close to stumbling. Just right on the edge. And God wants you to know he's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from sin. We are not able and capable of keeping ourselves. It's impossible. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus. He's able to keep you. Number two, he's able to present you faultless. I know when you look in the mirror today, you don't see faultlessness. We see failures. We see mistakes. We see our own sinfulness. Some of you are more hard on yourselves than others. But the Bible says that God is able to present you faultless. I love that. Faultless. By his grace, you are forgiven and kept by the power of God. Even though we're not able to keep ourselves, God is able. In John 10, Jesus said, no one can snatch you out of his hands. No one. One day, very soon, Jesus is going to present you to the Father cleansed by his blood, kept by his power. The focus is not on our own inabilities, but on God's great abilities. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again 
to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. Thirdly, notice it says he's able to present you faultless. Then he says, then he's able to present you in his presence before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. By God's grace and power, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. It's not going to be because of your great spiritual activity and all the steps of obedience and things. No, you're going to make it by his power. You're going to make it. What God started in you, he is faithful to complete it. He will perfect that which concerns you, the Bible says. One day Jesus is going to present you to the Father. And as he presents me to the Father, forgiven, cleansed, kept, I'll tell you, it says it will be joy inexpressible. In exceeding joy. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 5, it says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Not only that, notice he says that in verse 25, to God our Savior who alone is wise. You might want to mark that word alone. Wisdom belongs to our God. The wisdom you need is his. The wisdom you want is his. The answers are caught up in him. Jesus is infinitely wise, possessing all wisdom. He alone is wise. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding, this is Psalm 147 5, His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble but he cast the wicked to the ground. Not only that, notice he says, to, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty. That's why we sing together. That's why we worship. God alone. The Bible says in Isaiah, God said through the prophet Isaiah, he will share his glory with no man. None of us. He alone is in his own category. And you know, we say it like this, but it's his own category. God is God and you are not. He is alone wise. He deserves our glory and majesty. He deserves our worship, our surrender, our devotion. Listen to this one, First Chronicles 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty, for all that's in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all, both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and your hand is to make great and to give strength of all. Isn't that great? You want, to, you want to know why you read the Bible every day? Because you come across little nuggets like that. I mean, just think about it. You know, Chronicles, if you're reading through the Bible, it's probably going to show up in March or April, you know, somewhere along the way. And you're already into the year and it's already had its ups and downs. And you're already wondering what's going to happen. Do you, how, how am I going to go forward? Am I gonna, and then you'd come onto this, go, no, you, you know, Lord, you're the one that's great. You're the one that scored. It's your power, your glory, your victory, your majesty. And then you close the Bible and go, oh man, Lord, you're so good to us. Like, what am I thinking? And then you walk out the door and you have warfare all over again. But that's why the word of God is inside of you. Like this is it. You're, you're sowing seeds. Remember what the Bible says? If you sow seeds of righteousness, you'll reap everlasting life. When you read the word of God, you're sowing into your life seeds of the truth. 
that you don't exactly know when are going to bear fruit in your life. And this one is just it's hidden in First Chronicles among all the kings and all the difficulties and all the sin. And it's hidden right there going, no, no, God is exalted. He says at the end here that God alone, uh, Jesus alone has dominion and power both now and forever. Dominion and power. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Remember what he said in Matthew 28, right before he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. He says in verse 18 of Matthew 28, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And you just think of being at home with him. Being at home with the Father. That place of pure rest, the eternal state. The place of passionate worship, worship the the place of heavenly reunions. We're going to be reunited with those who died in Christ before us. Heavenly reunions. In a place of tranquility and peace and absence of war. At the, at the very least, when you think of tranquility and peace, just think of a life without sin. And a life without temptation. And a life without broken bodies. A life without broken relationships. A life where hope has become real. Like you're in the presence of the Lord. All the things we worry about today will not be a worry anymore. Those of you that have tears, the Bible says God's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to take care of all that's needed as we have the fullness. What a glorious day that awaits us. I know it's hard and confusing and chaotic now. I know many are scared and afraid, mad and frustrated. There's many that are sad and grieving and hurting right now. But there's coming that day when it's all done away, friend. There's coming that day when our faith will become sight. Where the fulfillment of all that God has promised us will be ours. Whether you feel worthy or not. Whether you feel like you're going to make it or not. Whether you're even wondering if you're going to make it through tonight or not. If you're going to get a good night's sleep because you're so worried and anxious and wondering. And the Lord says, no, 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 listen, listen, take this to heart. He's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to present you faultless. He's going to present you before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's God, our savior. He alone has wisdom, glory, majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever on into eternity. So beautiful to think of the finished work of Jesus Christ finally coming to our lives where our redemption draws near. If you want to turn in your Bible, I want to share two final scriptures here. Would you turn back with me to Zephaniah? Zephaniah, very uh, rarely used book of the Bible, but I want you to see it in your own. So it's not too far from the back. So you got Zechariah, you got Malachi, going backwards, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah is right there, maybe the fourth or fifth uh, last book of the Old Testament. I, I want you to see it in your own Bible. I want you to flip through it on your phone or your tablet. Uh, you guys watching online or listening on the radio, maybe even if you're driving, this is a scripture I want you to put into your heart as we close up the book of Jude here with all that's going on, all the challenges. Listen, in Zephaniah chapter 3 in verse 16 through 20. It says, in that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. 
And I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you, to whom it's a reproach as a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame, and I will gather those who were driven out, and I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. I think Zephaniah summarizes exactly what Jude is saying, where he says, Let the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He's going to rejoice over you with gladness and quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with singing. We place that great emphasis in our church of singing to God. Isn't that beautiful? I love singing even around this time of the year, just the different songs we get to sing. But can you just for a moment consider God singing over you? Rejoicing in his relationship with you. It's not just one-sided. It's not just you. It's not just what you can do, what you have to do, what you should do, what you would, would have done or could have done. The relationship you have with the Father, he loves you. He wants you. He cares for you. And he bids you to say, he bids you to stay in that place where you enjoy his love. Because you know, outside of his love, it's just so hard and so difficult. We make things so complicated. We bring so many consequences into our lives. If you want to hear it a different way, one more place. Would you go to Revelation with me? I think Jesus is addressing the same thing as he writes this little post-it note to the church in Ephesus. And I think he's saying the same thing in a different way. As he writes to the church in Ephesus, may we consider ourselves. He says in chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 1, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you've persevered, verse 3, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. What does Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, say? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Church, to a whole church, very busy, very active, doing a lot of things, persevering, enduring, but all outside of the love of God. That's how people get hurt. That's how people are injured in the church. When all the activity of the church is outside of the love of God, is not motivated by the agape love of God, that is not selfless, not self-sacrificial, not willing to die all the way to ourselves, all the way to the cross, not denying ourselves. So you got all this activity and God will use it. But he says, what's more important is you guys left your first love. And today, if you're hearing me and you're like, man, that's me, Ed. I've left my first love. Here's the word of the Lord to you. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's often the missing key. Oh, I feel bad. A lot of emotion. I can't believe what I did. But the way out is just repentance. To see it the way God sees it. 
to turn away from that behavior, to turn back to the Lord. What does he say? Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and then follow up and go back to where you have fallen from and repeat the first works. The Lord is so simple in his instruction to us. And may we leave here today with that sense of God's love for us, his care and concern for our lives and our families, for our situations, for our difficulties. As we leave, may we pray for those false teachers, false teachings that tend to take root in vulnerable people, and just ask God to stop them and to deal with them and to give us discernment so that we don't fall prey to them and we hold fast to the Lord and cling to Him. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and this is our final study in the Epistle of Jude. If you missed any portion of the series, it's not too late to hear it. Just log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com or go to the Calvary Church app. Pastor Ed, I want to take you back to a wonderful truth in Jude's doxology, and that's this. God is able to keep us from stumbling. Now, I couldn't help but think of the person who continually stumbles into a particular sin and is discouraged about it. Would you speak to that person as we close? Well, the doxology, Larry, uh, that Jude is sharing is a reminder of the immense power of God. We need to never forget that God is able to keep you from stumbling. So we learn a couple of things around that, right? Number one, we learn every time we don't stumble, it's from the Lord. It's His strength, not our good works, and not because we read our Bible and we're all so good Christians. No, it's God that's able to keep us from stumbling, and He does. Secondly, it reminds me that there could be less and less stumbling in my life because of the power of God and His presence in my life. And there can be less and less. Why? Because my God, He is able to keep me from stumbling. And I need to look to Him in temptation. I need to look to Him in times of weakness. I need to look to Him when I find wavering or when I find weakness or I find weariness. And so, yeah, we're going to continue to stumble. I mean, James even talked about stumbling with our tongue, right? I mean, geez, we're just constantly stumbling with our tongue. And, and yet God is able to make us and keep us from stumbling more. And he's able to cause us to, to less and less live our lives in a stumbling, bumbling way as we live in his strength and his goodness. So to the discouraged today, I just want to say, I know it's hard. You, you feel like you, you take three steps forward and two steps back, and it just seems like you never make any progress. But I want to remind you, I was looking at a brother not too long ago, and it's been hard. It's been a long, hard season for him. And I looked him in the eye and I go, don't you remember when you walked into this church? Don't you remember the condition of your life and your marriage? Don't you remember? And look how far you've come. Look how far God has brought you. And to that brother, I said that. And now to you, I may not have the personal knowledge that I have with this brother, but I can tell you this, God has brought you thus far. And he hasn't brought you thus far to let you just fall and stumble into oblivion. God is able to keep us from stumbling. So in this program with faith today, that he is your strength and your rock and your redeemer. Can I get a big amen for that? Amen. All right. Thank you for those words of encouragement. Over the past couple of years, discouragement and depression have been on the rise. And maybe that would describe where you're at today. 
We have a book we'd like to recommend to you that can help. It's Struggling Under the Broom Tree by Bill Gem. Pastor Bill recalls the life of Elijah, someone who battled with discouragement and depression too. But God, in his faithfulness, brought him out from under the broom tree of despair. If God did this for Elijah, you can be sure he can do it for you too. Read all about God's rescue plan for discouragement in Struggling Under the Broom Tree. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work and responsibly used. You'll be helping people across the nation grow in their relationship with the Lord and, in some cases, come to faith in Christ. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll introduce Pastor Ed's new study in the Gospel of John. We'll go through each chapter and verse with you in the weeks ahead. See you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.